have appreciated Mark and Elaine we have for so many years. Uh, and uh, it's great to be here with you. I get to follow doctors Mike Schmidt and Tyron Laws. Me, me, I have like a grade eight diploma and I can't find it. Oh, yeah, my son got a D minus in math class and so I had to stop doing his homework for him. Uh, in grade 10, right over here, I went to grade 10 here uh, for four years, beautiful years. Uh, there were about three of us out of 20 that flunked math, so about half of us, about, about 60%. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I also did not pay enough attention in Sunday school. I don't know about you, but I didn't. I thought the first commandment was when Eve told Adam to eat the apple, first commandment. Thought that Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. Made sense. The greatest miracle in the Bible was when Joshua told his son to stand still and he obeyed him. <laughs> Beautiful miracle, yeah. Did you ever get your Bible stories confused? A little kid said, Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day but a ball of fire by night. That's according to a little child. There you go. And still our president has asked me to speak to you. Few things give me more goosebumps than speaking to Prairie college students. I'm serious about that. Your professors have been telling me about how amazing, amazing you are, uh, except for you. No, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Ethan, you're my friend. We're related. Beautiful. Yeah. A recent poll revealed that 12% of college students believed that Jezebel was Ahab's donkey. They had multiple choice. The epistles were the wives of the apostles. One kid said Solomon had 200 wives and 700 porcupines. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, I thank God you are learning about these great patriarchs in a society that seems completely unaware of the treasure lying between the covers of this great book, the book of books. And so we come to Deuteronomy. Here we are. It is a series of farewell messages from Israel's 120-year-old leader, Moses. How many have heard of Moses? About two-thirds of you, all right, no more. It's to a generation, a new generation of Israelites camped on the plains of Moab after their parents miraculously exited Egypt for a 40-year journey from slavery to freedom. Moses begins Deuteronomy with a recap of that escape and their bittersweet journey to Sinai. Moses did not, as one little kid said, go to the top of Mount Sinai, to get the Ten Commandments, the seventh of which is thou shalt not admit adultery. That's according to a child. Not true. Moses received from God the Ten Commandments and others law, uh, other laws, and, and we have them right here, don't we? You know Moses well, don't you? Born under a death threat, placed in a little boat, discovered by, of all people, ironies in Scripture are amazing, Pharaoh's daughter. He was a basket case, wasn't he? Huh? And God used him, amen. Wow. The adopted son of royalty spent 40 years in the wilderness as a shepherd to get used to leading some sheep for the next 40 years. But he murdered an Egyptian, spent 40 years in the wilderness. Then God called him to lead Israel, and Moses said, Ah, uh ah, -uh, I st st stutter. I stutter. How could God use me? I stutter. God used him. Does that give you hope? Does it? 
Moses stuttered, Sarah laughed, Jacob wrestled, Abraham lied, Rahab was a prostitute, David liked rooftops. Are you with me? Huh? Tis true, Zacchaeus didn't measure up. Remember him? See, I can use these jokes among you. You know these things. Yeah. Wow. God can use us too. What a remarkable miracle. During the Exodus, Moses became a full-blown basket case at times with good reason. Listen to these words from Numbers 14. Then the whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. (laughs) Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we would have died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why the Lord is ta- why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? And then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader. Go back to Egypt. And God said, "Would you like some cheese with your wine?" Right? No, he didn't. That's that's in the message. Uh, no. No, I'm kidding. Okay. How many here have groused? How many have grumbled? Two of you. You're lying right in Prairie Chapel. Thanks, Isaac, for raising your hand. I know you once, back when you were nine, you, you complained. One month ago today, Kevin Peters played the Bee Gees on this very stage, okay? Uh, yeah, he did. Right there. These guys. More hair on this stage has never happened before. And so I thought, hey, I can play my favorite group, a, a brand new, uh, just a cool new album uh, right here. Uh, No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's this. It's Keith Green. Keith was raised a Christian scientist. Did you know that? Signed a five-year deal with Decca Records for, uh, yeah, it was five years. He was 12 years of age at the time. Came to Jesus as a teen. Exploded onto the Christian music scene when he was 23. And if you open a car door and hit someone my age, chances are they'll forgive you because they've listened to Keith Green. They love the guy. I sent away... Confession time, five bucks for this album, okay? They were giving it away for free, and I thought, wow, I'll be really generous. Canadian dollars down to the States, like a dollar and a half. I sent it away, and this arrived, and I started to listen. I wrote out a check for 50 bucks, and I sent it right away. I want to play you just a little clip from this. Here is a Jewish boy. By the way, he gave away 61,000 of these for free, because he loved Jesus that much and said nuts to the record industry at the time, which was, was freaking out. But they also got to sell a few hundred thousand copies themselves. Here's a Jewish boy poking fun at his ancestors. So you want to go back to Egypt, where it's warm and secure. Are you sorry you bought the one-way ticket when you thought you were sure? You wanted to live in the land of promise. But now it's getting so hard Are you sorry you're out here in the desert Instead of your own backyard Eating leeks and onions by the night Ooh, a breath for dining out in style
to travel And we sure travel a lot Cause it's hard to keep your feet from moving When the sand gets so hot And in the morning it's manna hotcakes We snack on manna all day And they sure had a winner last night for dinner Flaming manna souffle Well, we once complained for something new to much That's Keith Green. Isn't that something? That was the 80s, you guys. I have been hanging out in Deuteronomy since uh, Mark asked me to tackle this awesome book. And three words hit me over and over and over. I'm going to make this very easy. Here they are. They're listen, remember, and follow. Over and over. Reading Deuteronomy, you realize that Israel had a hearing problem. Does anyone have one here? Do you? Yeah? I do. Chances are you do too. But I'm at that age where my wife said, honey, you need a hearing test. And I said, why do I need a hairy chest? You know, <laughs> didn't make any sense to me. Three old guys were out for a walk and one of them said, man, it sure is windy. The other guy said, no, it's, it's Thursday. And the third guy said, me too, let's go get a drink. <laughs> How many didn't get that at all? At all. Okay, all right. Yeah, we'll talk later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but did you ever hear a song and think it said one thing when it said another? Did you? Yeah. I, uh, I did. I did. I, you remember the song, Taking Care of Business? I always thought that was making care of biscuits. I didn't, but I heard that from a guy. He said, I, yeah, I thought that was making care of biscuits. So every time I hear that, that's how I sing it. Go ahead. Kevin, wherever you are, I am sorry. I'm going to pick on the Bee Gees here. But they mumbled. 
You remember staying alive, right? Staying alive, staying alive. I thought it was, uh, oh, 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 stay in the line, stay in the line, because that's what they told me to do when I was a kid, staying alive. My parents had no appreciation for great classics from the Bee Gees, so I had to sneak vinyl records into our house and play them when my parents were out at prayer meetings. And I would hear that one, uh, more than a woman to me, remember that? Uh, it sounded like bald-headed woman to me. Just kind of did. Did you ever sing, all my luggage I will send to you? Uh, Like me, Israel had a hearing problem. So God speaks very, very clearly. We're going to read this together. Are you ready? Come on. Then Moses and the priests, the Levites, spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day you have become the people of the Lord your God. Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord and observe his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Wow, what amazing words. The book uh, that Jesus quoted most often is Psalms. That's it. It was number one. Followed by, guess which one? Deuteronomy. In Mark 12, he's asked, what is the greatest commandment? He repeats what we just read. Listen, O Israel. From start to finish, God's word emphasizes the need to listen. Listen. Listen, you guys. Adam and Eve refused God's counsel, and you know what happened. They were banished from the Garden, Golf, and Country Club. 91 times in Deuteronomy, God instructs Israel to listen, listen. Isaiah 55, 3 repeats what we find in Deuteronomy. Come to me with your eyes wide open. Listen, for the life of your soul is at stake. If you stepped out on the street, not in Three Hills, but in Calgary, because chances are nothing would happen if you stepped out on the street here. A guy would swerve his bike to miss you. But if you did in Calgary and someone yelled, you're going to die, would you step back? Would you, stop? would you listen? Of course you would. Despite God's incredible blessing, Amaziah, king of Judah, turned to idols, then watched his enemies break down Jerusalem's walls and cart off the palace treasury and take hostages. They raided the palace treasury and took hostages. The reason, 2 Chronicles 25 tells us, Amaziah would not listen to God's counsel. In Jesus' letters to the seven churches in Revelation, it's significant that he ended each one this way. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Friends, make time in this incredibly busy world, at this point of your lives, to get quiet to listen to God. What keeps you from listening? Somebody yell something out, come on. Technology. Technology. These phones? Yeah. I gotta show you something that's really cool, it's brand new. They just invented something called airplane mode. (laughs) Find it, turn it on, and then just throw your phone out the window because it'll fly. It's so cool. (laughs) Just do it, get rid of it, yeah. Some of us talk too much to listen. We're just constantly talking. Let's shut up. Let's listen. You know, listening is not the same thing as waiting my my chance to say something. Just listen. 
Let's listen. Let's get quiet. Let's open God's word. Let's ask him to speak to us. He delights in doing that. Listen. Second word, remember. Say it. Remember. Reading Deuteronomy, I thought, you know, um, here we are. Moses admitted he stuttered, but sometimes it seems to me that God stutters. I know that sounds horrible to even utter. Does he? Of course he doesn't. But he knows us so well. Over and over he repeats through Moses the same things to a stubborn and stiff-necked people. Listen. My Jewish friend Shlomo tells me we are stubborn. We are (laughs) stiff-necked. He says that often. Listen and remember. 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 Do not forget. Hello. It's like God saying that to us. Hello. Remember. All of us forget. Even the brilliant G.K. Chesterton forgot. He was on a lecture tour. He sent his wife a telegram. Many of you use that all the time. It just said, am in Birmingham. Where ought I to be? His wife sent him one back. It said, home. <laughs> home. I, believe, I, I love that. My son said, dad, uh, don't worry. You're getting old, I know. But don't worry about old age. It won't last long. Uh, <clears throat> Took him completely out of the will. Yeah. Uh, the older you get, um, the more you forget. It's just the way it is. You only have so much space in your noggin. But I love this age, I gotta tell you. I have grandkids. What's not to love? You know, here, where are we? Yeah, I, this is Clara. Clara prayed for me a few weeks ago. I was getting on an airplane, and she said, Dear God, she oh no, she said, Dear Jesus, she said, uh, Help the pilot not to crash Grandpa's plane into the water and give Grandpa a good life up there. I don't know. At least she didn't say down there. Um, so that's good. Claire, and this is Ezra just yesterday. Uh, this just uh, oh, incredible little guy. He was playing with the cat. He had brought it in from outside. He knew he shouldn't. And his daddy said, Ezra, put the cat back outside. He looked down at this little cat. He said, uh, it's okay, kitty. God is always with you. One of them said to me, Bumpa, you're funny. I'm going to keep you. Isn't that cool? So, I, cool. so I, I love this time of life. I really do. But not everything about aging is cool. Sometimes I think what ain't hurting ain't working. It's true. But the cool thing, my, my friends, uh, I, I tell them something and they can keep a secret because they can't remember a thing I said. It's beautiful. Yeah. My flared pants are back in style at this age. Have you seen this? We were in a Red Deer Mall the other day. Flared pants. You know, you could put a family of four in those things. Man, that's from the uh, grade four. I first wore flared pants. I love that. I can stay up late at this age as late as I want. You know, sometimes till 8 p.m. I like my bifocals. My dentures fit just fine. My arthritis meds are working, but oh, how I miss my mind. Maybe you feel that way. Like Israel, we are prone to forget, prone to wander, prone to forget. We forget the things God has done. And he says, remember. Let's read this together. Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God. We'll read this kind of quickly. Come help me. When you have eaten your fill in this land...
excellent. Thank you. Yeah. Could it be that God knows the thickness of our heads and the hardness of our hearts? And the days to come when those he miraculously delivered will forget his overwhelming goodness, reneging on our covenant, we will forsake him. And so he says, remember, 15 times in Deuteronomy, remember. And what should we remember? Let's read this again. Don't be afraid of them. Just remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all the land of Egypt. Remember the great terrors the Lord your God sent against them. You saw it all with your own eyes. How are you at recounting what God has done for you? At remembering? Do you complain? My phone is too fat for my skinny jeans. My hand is too chubby to shove into the Pringles chip container, and I have to tilt the container. <laughs> My seedless watermelon has a seed in it. Anyone complain like that? Some of us do. We need to remember. Remember. I got to remember my wife's birthday and forget her age. That's a beautiful gift that a husband can give. Yeah. She says to me, Tom Cruise has nothing on you. Oh, that's a beautiful way to build a marriage. We've been married 41 years and you need these things to build a marriage. I get to say to her things like, let's go buy you some shoes. Wow, that works well. Remember, here's one thing that has been of utmost importance in our marriage. During the hard times, we remember and talk about the good times. Never forget to remember to talk about and celebrate the great things God has done in our lives. Would you do this at lunch today? Would you do this when you climb into bed? Wherever you are, I want you to be thinking about the great things God has done. Celebrate. Entire psalms are devoted to remembering God's miracles, his miraculous deliverance. David wrote Psalm 103. I think you probably know it. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Psalm 77, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. What God is so great as our God? Do you have an answer for that? No, no. The word remember is used over 1,200 times in the Bible. Four times we've been in Jerusalem at Passover, this annual celebration, to remind Israel of their deliverance from Egypt. We need to be reminded repeatedly to celebrate the awesome deeds of the Lord. Others are going to see and they'll, they'll see our joy. Psalm 126, 2 talks about what happened when God freed the captives. They had been in captivity. They were freed. And this is what it says. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. What a thing to have said about this Bible call. What a thing to have said about you. Among your family when you go back home, look, there's a guy, there's a gal who remembers the awesome deeds of the Lord and joy is written in their faces. May we listen. May we remember. And thirdly, may we follow. Follow. A few hundred years before the Exodus, the Hittite Empire was a big deal. I think I've got something here to show you. Yeah. 
when the Hittites conquered a smaller country, they established a covenant with that nation, the nation that owed them allegiance. It was called the Hittite Caesarean Vassal Treaty. I like that. It's a striking parallel with the covenant God established with Israel at Mount Sinai in the book of Deuteronomy. It includes covenant requirements to which the vassal must agree and blessings and curses should the vassal keep or fail to keep the covenant. The book of Deuteronomy, it's so cool. It's outlined like that treaty. The law was given as a way to have a relationship with the great Lord. Then came the blessings and curses. Obey the Lord, here are the blessings. Disobey, here are the curses. And keep in mind, this is given in a love relationship between Israel and Yahweh. Obedience would bring blessing and flourishing. Why do we entertain the notion that God's laws are there to stifle us, to kill our joy, that porn is going to satisfy, that an affair will bring you joy? God's boundaries are for our protection, our freedom, our flourishing, our great joy. The consequences of sin, you guys, they're devastating. I write books, I get letters from people who will tell me their stories. Sometimes Ramon and I just sit and cry. Sin sucks. It sucks the joy from you, the peace, the hope, the life from you. God alone gives life and true freedom. He made us, he knows us. Listen, follow. Hebrews 11 says, Moses chose to, be chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Deuteronomy 7.9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Deuteronomy 23.5 says, The Lord your God loves you loves you. Oh man. This great love foreshadows a day when one would come not to conquer but to deliver, to take the curses of this covenant and give us the blessings. We deserve the curse Jesus got. Amen. We receive the blessing he deserved. This is Jesus in Matthew 5. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. Wow. Jesus would establish the new covenant, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with his own blood. And what is our role? To follow, to follow. In Deuteronomy 5, 32 to 33, Moses told the people, you must be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord, your God, following his instructions in every detail. Stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous lives in the land you are about to enter and occupy. Deuteronomy continually shows us that we have that choice. What are we going to choose? This is not prosperity theology, friends. It's not follow God and you get a Learjet for your ministry. Praise the Lord. No. But in reading this, you cannot help but get the sense that God is wild about you that he is dying to bless his children. All he asks is that we follow. Just remain faithful, you guys. It'll lead to flourishing. I will bless you. Stop messing around. Does anyone know what we mean by sins of omission? This Sunday school teacher asked 
the class, a little girl said, those are the sins we, have, we should have committed but didn't. She said. <laughs> As a kid, I was convinced that God loved me and had a horrible plan for my life. I thought if I truly followed him, I would, I would be miserable. He would have me break all my hockey sticks, possibly burn them, and play the flute in the orchestra. No! And then, after years of complete misery, he would have me marry the prune-faced girl near the front of the class who kept squealing on me. And we would go to Africa together to serve among cannibals who would be sizing me up, thinking he can do better. They would stuff me with iguana and wild pig until I was ready for the barbecue, and then they would eat me. And then something happened. In grade five, we had a teacher come. I've got to show you a picture of her. Here she is. But she's, no, actually, that was a very young version of her, but she was this by the time she got to, to our classroom. She came over from Germany to con conduct experiments in our classroom. And I was one of those experiments. She was sick of me by September the 4th. She had had enough. She said, Philip, you're going to come up here. You're going to stand right here. And you will face the class for one hour. That is your punishment. I'd been making my friend laugh, and I wouldn't admit what I had told him because I knew I would be shot. So she had me. She stand right there. You will face the class for one hour. That is your punishment. And she turned and started writing things on the blackboard. And, and you know, for some people, this would be punishment. For me, this was the knock-knock of opportunity. <laughs> oh, man. And so I began to do some stuff. I am not proud of these, but Tyron, do you mind if I share them, brother? Okay. So I, I, yeah, I had been working on a ball of rubber cement in my left hand, and I drew that slowly from my right nostril. And the boys liked that. They appreciated it. The girls, not so much. I couldn't get a date until I was 29. I also had a comb in my front pocket in my final act of the day after doing several other things. I took it from my po pocket and I, I just held it. It was a black comb above my lips like this and I went, it was terrible. I was a little kid. I got hit by an eraser from the blackboard that she winged at me. I don't know if any of you have been hit by flying chalk, but there you go. But a worse day came. The day she said, boys and girls, it is time for your Bible memory. She had a bun in her hair pulled too tight to allow her any smiling. Just looking at me like this, she said, time for your Bible. I had not been memorizing scripture. I had been doing lesser things. And so I needed to do something. My marks had been slipping since kindergarten. And so I lifted my desk lid. There was a lid on the desk and I reached in there and I pulled out a cheat sheet and I lodged it between my knees and I began to cheat on my Bible memory. And this is what I wrote. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation, I spelled it right, for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The verses went on to say that if we don't have the truth in us, we are a liar and we are in trouble. And I wrote them out beautifully. First John 2, 1 to 5, handed it in. Oh, that night was a glorious night. We played football. I climbed into bed. All was right with the world. And then it got dark. And I'm thinking about, ha, ah, what I've done, I'll bet somebody saw me. I'll bet I'm going to be in trouble. They're going to kill me. I went across the hallway into my parents' room. I tapped my mother on the shoulder. She sat straight up. She said, Italian dressing. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. She said, what is it? I said, I cheated on my Bible memory. Ha, ah, you What? She got out of bed. She went over to the, to the corner where she kept that two by four 
And she, no, she didn't. She didn't hit me with anything. She didn't. She spanked me, but they were always just kind of apologizing. She was apologizing. Oh, I'm sorry. That hurt you. Oh. We knelt down beside the bed, and she prayed that God would forgive my sins, and he did. And I was leaving that room feeling light and happy, and she stopped me dead in my tracks. She said, you will have to tell Miss Weissmuller, too. Oh, ah. Didn't sleep well that night, got thinking about the punishment. It would be administered in the schoolyard that afternoon. Local ministers would gather, five of them, black suits, solemn expressions. They would stand there. Children would be lined up alphabetically, according to height or something, 300 of them. And they would stand there, and, and, and Miss Weissmuller would get up, and she would have a carefully prepared speech. She said, would say, boys and girls, let's, as long as we shall live, never turn out like this young man this cheater. And then the children would each be given a little stick and they would file by the swing set leg to which I was tied. They would toss the sticks around my feet and the ministers would come over and light matches. <laughs> Miss Weissmuller would stop by and fan the flames with my report card. I did not sleep well that night at all. I thought about my tombstone for habits he would not break. He was ceremoniously burned at the stake. His sins are too many to list. He certainly will not be missed. May we rest in peace. Oh, oh. The next morning, after not sleeping much, I got up. I went to the school. It was the first time I'd been on time in a while. I got to the fifth grade classroom. I think there were only two of us in the building. And I knew who the other one was. I tapped on that door. What is it? I said, uh, it's me. Who? I opened the door and she looked at me. She said, what is it, Philip? I said, I, I cheated on my Bible memory. I couldn't look at her. I knew what she looked like anyway. <laughs> she said, you what? I said, I cheated on my Bible memory. She said, did anyone see you? I said, I don't think so. She said, did God see you? I said, oh yeah. He kept me awake last night. She said, did he forgive you? And I said, yeah. And I kid you not, I looked at her for the first time and she was smiling. Despite this bun in her hair, she said the most beautiful words, Zen, I forgive you too. In grade 10, over in this building, Mr. Winston Tilsey called me in after school. I got 72 on a mathematics test. And he said, either you cheated or it was a miracle. Which? I said, sir, with all due respect, it was a miracle. And it was. It was. God's grace. I believe that I didn't cheat in grade 10 because back in fifth grade, two women who could have thundered the law down upon me stooped and they offered me the most remarkable gift in the history, in the history of all the universe. The gift of grace, God's grace. I um, I'll never get over it. In my writing, I find myself circling back to grace. Do you see the irony? The only perfect person who ever lived attracted notorious sinners like me. People like us, those who accept that we will never measure up, those who are daily amazed that we are judged not by our own righteousness, 
but by the righteousness of Christ who lives in us. What is left but for us to live in wonder, to live faithful and grateful lives? Would you stand your feet? Got one more, a couple more verses to read. Let's read them together. I have placed before you. Amen. Amen. You want to go back to Egypt? Or do you want to press on? Listening to his voice, remembering his grace, and celebrating, following the God who loved you to death. Heavenly Father, thank you for these incredible students, for the work that you're doing in them. Give them a fantastic day of listening, of remembering, and of following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.